But um, love that sound. If you're new here today, welcome to Landmark. We're glad you're here. I want you to know this is a very caring church. And if you want to find that out, just put a Band-Aid on your forehead. You, you will find out how everybody in this church cares. Let me tell you. Uh, let, let me give you four choices why this Band-Aid's here. Choice number A, uh, I'm late to Lent. Okay. Uh, B, I went skydiving yesterday in Clanton, and when I pulled the zip cord for the parachute, it hit my head. That's it. Uh, C, Stephanie finally got enough, all right? <laughs> D, in the middle of the night, I ran straight into a doorpost. A, B, C, or D? D? I prefer B, but the truth is D, okay? So thank you guys so much for caring. Do not ask me another question. All right. <laughs> All right, today we finish our habit series. You've got a card in your copy of Lifelines with 13 of the practical habits that we've been challenging. Now, now habits take time, and I'm finding myself, especially on that first habit, knees before feet. Slowly but surely, I'm getting there. Because even on the days where I don't do it, when I'm walking down the hall and I remember it, then I do it. So keep on practicing those habits. Today we're going to look at some, what I call, church habits. And let me just say this, God expects good church habits. This is not the one I'm preaching on, but you need to remember this passage, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. The writer says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the what? Habit, say it with me, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. These young Christians had gotten out of the habit of going to church. I think we've seen a lot of that over the last couple years. The average church today is between 36% all the way to 64% as large as it was before COVID. Many churches are closing because people have gotten out of that habit That's one cool thing about this coming Sunday Easter. It's a great chance for us to invite people who've gotten out of the habit. But today as we look toward Easter Sunday, I want to talk about a couple of other habits that I think are extremely important. If you have your Bible, go to the parable of the king or the kingdom in Luke chapter 14. This is just one of my favorite parables. But you need to, first of all, understand the background here. Jesus has been invited to a prominent Pharisee's house. He's there on a Sabbath day. Guess what Jesus is about to do? He's going to heal somebody and get lots of trouble. Well, if you read the story, you probably will get the idea, this is a setup. Uh, This person who needs to be healed was not on the normal Pharisee's guest list. And so Jesus has set up, the word there of them watching Jesus literally means they are lying in wait. They want to catch him, and they do. And after they catch him, Jesus sort of goes off on them about who they invite to their parties. He's saying, this is not the normal guy you invite. You normally just invite your friends. You invite the people who, if you invite them, you know they'll invite you back. And Jesus says when you're inviting people, don't just invite the folks you are normally hanging out with. This will change what you do when you go out to eat. It's change who you eat with after church today. Invite someone that you wouldn't normally eat with. In fact, Jesus is implying you invite the outcast that you Pharisees don't like. 
Well, the room is so full of tension. I mean, Jesus has put them on edge. And then we get to verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This dear brother is trying to ease the tension. He said, let me throw out a slogan that we'd all agree on, okay? We're not agreeing on anything so far, but we'd all agree that when the kingdom comes, that's going to be an incredible thing to be a part of. We've got all these differences, but could we, could we ease the tension in the room and just all agree on this one slogan? Well, Jesus is not in the mood to ease the tension. He ratchets the tension up. Look in verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Now, this doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we don't understand their system. This is their RSVP system. Anybody get tired of asking for people to RSVP? How many of us are terrible at doing it? I am. I got a phone call this week from someone who invited me to a wedding, and as soon as I saw his name, I knew he's calling me to see if I'm coming or not because we didn't RSVP. Well, here was their system. They would send out an invitation. You would say yes. So then on the day of the feast, when everything's ready, they would send out the next invitation that said, it's all ready. Come on. You've already said yes. And then look what happens. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. They're very, very nice. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them. Please excuse me. So another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, they start making these excuses. Now, again, understand, they've already said yes. Now, now they're starting to make excuses. I mean, who buys an oxen without trying it? Who buys a field without looking at it first? I mean, some of this is a rather absurd, but we'd have to admit, none of their excuses are sinful. They may be laughable, but they're much like our excuses. I'm busy in business. I'm busy with family. I'm busy with new things. I can't come. I like what the old African-American preacher Marshall Keeble said. He said, an excuse is nothing more than a dressed-up lie. And so they've lied about it, all right? Just trying to get out of this. Now watch what happens. Verse 21. The servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Now remember, the owner is God. This is one of the few places in the Gospels where Jesus actually portrays his father as angry. He's mad. He's made all this preparation. They've said yes, and they're reneging. He ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The very people the Pharisees would reject. Sir, the servant says, what you've ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who, will be, who are invited 
will get a taste of my banquet. Now, I see two things here that I think Jesus is trying to do with us today. First of all, I want to challenge you to let Jesus shake you up because that's the intent of this parable. This parable is not nice to the people listening, okay? But within this parable, I'm going to say there's some things here where Jesus can pump you up, all right? There's some things in here that ought to really fire us up about what we do. First of all, let's get to the bad part. Let's be shaken up. Uh, Number one, what Jesus is saying is do some people who think they're in aren't. I mean, the Pharisees, they had no question that when this incredible banquet happened, you see, this was their picture of the Messiah coming. It was a recurring picture through Jewish history. When everything's going to get good, the Messiah's going to come, and he's going to throw a party like no other party. And, of course, they thought they were in. They're the in people. They're the spiritual people. They're the religious people. Of course, not all these people with all these problems. And so Jesus tells this to say to them, you may think you're in, but you're not. Your Jewish DNA is not enough. You, you, you are not born into the kingdom of God. You are reborn into the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is shockingly implying here is that when the Jews say no, he's going to offer the invitation to the Gentiles. But listen, their legalism had blinded them to their own faults and had blinded them to the mission of reaching the world. You see, God's plan had always been that Israel would be a light to the world. And that's what legalism does, guys. It hems you in into a smaller and smaller circle. And before long, your major goal is just purity within your circle. And before long, you're blinded because you got your little checklist of what it takes to be true. And you do your little checklist, and you're blinded to your other faults. You're blinded that you're not even caring about people that are different than you. And you're certainly blinded to a world that needs God. And so they've gotten worse and worse and worse. Number two, God will not accept second place. Their excuses are so similar to ours that it's not even funny. Nobody says... I don't want to come. They've already said, I want to come. What they do say is, right now other things are more important. You know, back back to the first little passage we looked at there about church attendance. I mean, you know, it's not a good thing when you get out of the habit. But listen to me, guys. For most of us, when we get really busy and our schedule gets full, church is the first thing we drop. And God's saying in this parable pretty clearly, guys, listen to me. I'm not okay with second place. I'm not okay with you scheduling me around everything else you feel like you need to be doing. Number three, rejection of God's invitation makes God mad and sad. He says he became angry. The final line is so sad, but none of those who are invited will ever taste of my banquet. And then number four, my friends, one day the door will be shut. One day the invitation will be withdrawn. 
And that's what Jesus is warning these people about. Not because he doesn't love them, but because he does love them. And their arrogance and their legalism had made them not see the world the way God did and not even see themselves in a humble way. So I don't know, guys, about you, but most of us in here are pretty nice religious people. Maybe we need to be shook up a little bit about this. Am I content with my little circle doing the right little things and content with the world that's going to hell? Now, let's get to the better part now. Let Jesus pump you up. Here's my favorite part of this whole thing. God's kingdom is a party. The, The word there for banquet literally means mega party. Now, when I hear the word banquet, I don't necessarily get excited. I think about being a senior in high school and not being able to go to the dance, you know, and we throw a banquet. It wasn't normally that exciting, right? Now, (laughs) Malia, I love you, okay? (laughs) Now, I'm, I'm telling you guys, when they thought of a banquet, man, they're thinking of something that lasted for days. In this banquet, the Messiah's banquet, was the, it was the happiest thing you could ever, ever think of. And guys, I've been reading through the Old Testament lately. Let me just go and tell you this. God loves a party. I mean, you look through all the commandments and all the feasts. I mean, I don't know how those dudes ever worked. I mean, it is one feast after another. God loves a party. Now, I probably just made you uncomfortable by saying that. But, but listen to me, it's uncomfortable because we have let the world define what a party is. We think a great party is when I lose myself with alcohol or some kind of substance, and that's the only way to have a really good party. And we've let the world take a term we ought to be using all the time, and they've, they've adopted it, and we've surrendered it. And I'm telling you today, brothers and sisters, it's time that we retook the word that belongs to us, is that we're the party people, and this is the funnest place on the face of this earth. Amen? There you go. There we go. Don't get too excited, guys. I mean, you've been warned, don't get too excited in church. My goodness, what a lie. We were told dull, boring church was sound, exciting church is liberal. That's a lie. The truth is, the church should be the place of the greatest joy. It should be a feast, not a funeral. It should be a celebration, not a place of sadness. It should be an enjoyable party, not a stinking Tupperware party. (laughs) <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I've never been to a Tupperware party, but it, it sounds really bad to me. Maybe you put your kid through college, so forgive me. But it's just not that. Now, number two, while we're getting some good stuff, number two, God invites everyone to the party. The Pharisees are offended because God wants to be hospitable to people they don't think are part of the group. Be, be careful of any religious group that thinks they are the group. The party's for everyone. It's for the poor, it's for the sick, it's for the maimed, it's for the blind. Now that doesn't mean as much to us as it did to them. In that day, yeah, that would mean you're unclean. You're not worthy to go to the party. Not just that you were sick, it's that you're, you shouldn't be there. Because listen to me, one of the biggest words in the Bible that we're commanded is to offer hospitality. 
But something I think maybe I've missed too long is the word hospitality is the same word where we get hospital. The church is a hospital for people that are hurting. And everybody, no matter how messed up you are, is invited. And then number three, I love this one. God desires a full house. He's not satisfied with these empty seats in here right now. He's not happy with it. And neither should we be. And then number four, here's the great thing for you and I. We extend the invitation. We are the servants in the parable. We are the ones who have the honor to run out in the streets and lanes and highways and say, come, everything is ready. I like how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation, that we can be reconciled with God. And then he says this, God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So let's talk about two-party habits, if you'll let me use that word. Two party habits we need in this church. Number one is inviting. Because we need to remember that we're inviting people to a party, okay? Because I think one reason we're not very motivated about inviting people is sometimes we're not so excited ourselves. So, so our invitation comes across sort of like this. Man, I really love you to come to Easter with us next week. Um, you know, I mean, we, we got some good folks there. We're, we're not really sure if we're going to heaven or not. And we're sort of miserable, you know. And sometimes it's sort of boring, you know. And sometimes people just sort of sit on their pew like they don't care. But would you please come? Guys, what we are to say to people is, dude, I'm inviting you to a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you not to meet a dead Lord that we are sad about, to meet a risen Christ that we're excited about. And man, when you come to our church, man, you're going to feel life. You're going to see children running and playing. You're going to see adults that are smiling. You're going to see people lost in worship. I'm telling you, you might not have experienced this, but when you come in this this place, you're going to experience some life. Because the, the truth is, Gail Durden was sending out a statistic this weekend to our staff. She, I don't know where she saw this, but I love it. She said 82% of unchurched Americans, if given a personal invitation, would actually come. So, inviting. And then the second party habit is welcoming. Remember to welcome people the way Jesus welcomed you. You remember that judgment seat in Matthew chapter 25 where, where they're like, well, Jesus, we never did this to you. And he says, oh, yes, you did. When you did this to the least of these, you were doing it to me. You may not recognize me because let me tell you, when people walk in these doors, they're representing Jesus. And the way we greet them had better be the way God greeted us. Listen to Romans 15, verse 7. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Listen to me. If you welcome people the way Jesus welcomed you, you will bring praise to God. I love what the message translation says. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. And here's the great line. Jesus did it, now you do it. Can I ask you, how good are you at welcoming? 
Because I know that some of us are more extroverted and some more introverted, and I'm not saying everybody's going to handle this the same way. But I'm telling you, how happy would you be if Jesus used your excuse on him? I just, you know, I'm just not good at talking to people, you know. I'm just, I'm uncomfortable, you know. I'm just introverted, you know. And, and Jesus says, okay, well, buddy, okay. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable welcoming, you know. I mean, just, just beyond my little comfort zone. And sorry about that, but you're not getting in. But listen to me. Because the, 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 the foundational truth in Scripture is we treat people the way God treated us. And when people walk in these doors, they need to be welcomed warmly. I'm telling you, Jesus accepted me when I was all messed up. Jesus accepted you. And it wasn't a halfway greeting. And so, guys, next week when we have all these guests, remember that you are there to practice this incredible habit of welcoming Guys, I mean, we do a lot of great stuff as a church to do this well. I was reading a list this week of the top ten ways that churches ought to welcome people, organizational-wise. And let me just tell you, we do all ten. Great greeting, great folks at the information table, good signage, I mean, you name it. We, we, we do it. But we know beyond that, guys, what really makes a difference, more than anything we can do organized, is what we do natural. It's cool for me, for the guy assigned me to greet me on the sidewalk. And you guys do a great job. But it's ten times better someone who greets me in here who wasn't assigned to greet me. So we welcome people. The difference is personal. And so, um, you know, next week, let me show you a QR code up here. As Nathan says, man, we got enough QR codes for you to eat them for lunch. All right. Easter volunteer. If, if you'd like to help with some of our organized things next Sunday, then please um, get on that QR code. We've got a lot of you signed up for Friday night, Sunday, but we still have some more help we need, okay? So if you'd like to be a part of that, just right now, go, let's just go ahead and nail that down and get that done. But more than anything, we've got to be these welcoming people who are so excited about Jesus and what he's doing in our life. We're already enjoying the party. And we just, we, we, we got the attitude like Jesus. The more the merrier. Bring them on. Make a big difference. Now we come to a point in our service right now where we're going to meet around a table. And that was the place of welcoming. And I've asked Rob McFarland today to lead our communion thoughts. Many of you have been a part of the restoration class that Rob's been teaching across our classes. That's absolutely fantastic. And, and some of you are new to Churches of Christ and this restoration movement. This has been so informative. But one of the great strengths of our movement has been an open, welcoming table that we put great emphasis on communion. So I asked Rob if he'd come and share with us before we take communion together. So Rob, would you come up here and bring us to the table? Before we get out of here. Um, and Rob, thank you. I think I stumbled down the stairs into cheers. That, that's, that, that's what happened. Thank you. But guys, when we talk about inviting and welcoming, this is what I want us to close on. This is so important. Both are urgent. Jesus says, go quickly. Because nobody in here 
is opposed to inviting and welcoming. But that's not the question. The question is, will you do it? Because this inviting's, this is urgent. Man, it hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Probably about five years ago, I started inviting these two young African-American men to come to church with me. And um, every time I see them, they're like, hey, we're coming to church, man. I'm going to come when DeAndre can come. We're coming, we're coming, we're coming. And um, this week I ran into, not DeAndre, but uh, John. And John said, I've got to give you some bad news. And I, I just I was like, yeah, you broke up with your girlfriend. Your, your job's finally taking you to Atlanta. I just started guessing things. He said, no, 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 no. He said, buddy, DeAndre's dead. Here's my question. Was I urgent enough? Did I do more than just invite him to church? Because this is urgent. And so is welcoming. Listen, my friends, here's the truth. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And so some of you got to cut it up. You got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to go meet some people. I love our shepherd, Tom Harbin, one of the most evangelistic people I know. And here's Tom's rule of thumb. He said he got away from me. He's going back to He's been challenging us lately about this. I don't talk to anybody after church I do know until I talk to everyone I don't know. Wow. And somebody say, well, I, I just, listen, I, I watch some of you at your workplace. You are extra friendly. I'm not seeing restaurants when you see people, man. And, man, you just get up and you walk across and you go, man, good to see you. And then you come to church and you tell me you can't do it. Because this is urgent. This is not about you or me. It's about the kingdom. Because you know. You go, well, I, I don't know who's new at Landmark or not, man. It's just so confusing. I'm just going to embarrass myself. Guys, here's the question. It works every time. Nice to meet you. How long have you been at Landmark? This is my first Sunday. Man, I was a founding member 50 years ago. I've been here 10 years. It works. Just, just ask that question and then start making conversation. It makes such a difference. But here's what I'm saying is, guys, we need to be urgent. And I'm so excited about next week. Not only is it Easter, but we start a new message series on heaven. Something we, we, we've been needing to do for a long, long time. And, man, everybody's got questions about heaven. Most of us, we yearn for heaven. We've lost loved ones. Make us, we're just, and guys, we're going we're to spend weeks just diving into where is heaven? What is it like? What are the promises? How do you get there? So next week's going to be a great time to invite people. So th- this week, I'm challenging you, just th- grab some invitation cards, share it on social media, just anywhere you can. And then I'm challenging us to make this a habit, okay? And I'm, 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 I'm lowering the bar a long ways. But if we all did this, it'd make a difference. Would you make it a habit to invite one person every week to church? Would you make it a habit to welcome one new person per week? I was in a discipleship group with some of the greatest guys in this church a couple years ago. And we, we started every Thursday morning when we got back together. We had to all share somebody new we met at church. And it was a great exercise. But I'm telling you, 
it was stretching. So, so could we start making this a habit? Because we, we don't want to just invite people for Easter. My goodness, that's awesome. But how about if we invited one person per week, and every Sunday you made it your goal when you walk in here to find someone you don't know and get to know them? So I, I leave you with these two questions. Are you enjoying the party? Okay? Because th- this is probably the key. If you're not enjoying the party, you're probably not going to invite me, folks. And you're probably not going to be real welcoming. So first of all, have you seen the kingdom of God the way Jesus saw it? Uh, are you enjoying this abundant life promised you? It's not a perfect life. I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm saying that you've got something that allows you, like we talked about last week, to live on a higher plane. So are you enjoying the party? And, and are you inviting and welcoming to the party? And maybe as we sing this invitation song, this front row may need to be full of some of us that are off mission. In, in, in second service last week, I heard two things confessed I've never heard in a church. Even this church, we hear lots of things confessed. One was a sister who said, I am just way too judgmental. And I'm too harsh about people. And i got to stop it. And the other was a sister who said, I couldn't believe she confessed this. I'm late everywhere I go. And I need to stop it because it's affecting all my relationships. Now, my friends, if that's worthy of confessing, not reaching out to people for Jesus, it's certainly worthy of confessing. So this morning, as we sing in just a moment, if today's the day where you need to rededicate yourself to the mission. Guys, like I said at the beginning of this message, guys, here's what I think's happened, is this whole crazy couple years we've lived in has just gotten us all out of really good habits. And I think as a church, these are some habits we've got to reestablish. And I'm telling you, when it happens, it's so beautiful, especially when you're not just reaching out to folks like you. You're reaching out to people like Jesus did that were actually hurting, who need it, or at least know they need it. Everybody needs it. This is one of my favorite stories. Many of you heard it decades ago, but I've got to share it to close this lesson. Many of you probably know of the, the famous preacher, Tony Campalo, great author, a couple of decades ago, he was flying to Hawaii on a speaking engagement. And he got there in the middle of the night, and he had jet lag, and so he couldn't go to sleep. And so about 2 o'clock in the morning, he went to this restaurant bar. And he gets there, and it's just full of prostitutes. And he's just sort of in his corner, just sort of listening, and he finds out that there's this prostitute named Agnes, and it's actually her birthday. And so without anybody knowing, he goes back to the cook and says, would you cook a birthday cake tonight? And he does. And Kampalo, they don't even know him, brings the birthday cake out with candles on it and starts singing happy birthday to this prostitute named Agnes. And tears just flood down her face. And they have this incredible party. And then Agnes makes this really odd request. She said, could you get them to cook one more cake for me? Because i got to take this and show it to my mom. She won't believe it. So they cook the cake. Agnes goes out the door. And the cook says, dude, are, are you a preacher? <laughs> and Kabbalah says, yes, I am. Don't be scared, I am. And then, then she asks this question. What kind of church do you preach at? And here's what he answered. The kind that throws parties for prostitutes 
and gives invitations to sinners. Brothers and sisters, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And if you need to publicly respond today by giving your life to Jesus or recommitting to this mission, do it right now while we stand and sing.